Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Micah Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. Amen. Amen. So we're going to jump into the message, and uh, we're actually going to be starting kind of a new monthly theme today, and it's called A Thrill of Hope. A Thrill of Hope. Now, obviously, we know the Christmas carol. Mom, you want to sing it out, right? Nope, she doesn't. She did it at, she did it at 8.30, and she likes it. Here's a fun fact about my mom. She loves Christmas carols, and I'm not talking like, oh, let's sing them as a family. I'm talking about like, oh, let's go outside when it's 20 degrees out and knock on 50 doors and sing them to random strangers, <laughs> right? Some of you guys are like, wait, is that true? Yes, my entire childhood. It's like, be like, mom's like, you want to go Christmas caroling? Absolutely not. <laughs> you want she, Then she's like, you're going, you're going Christmas caroling, right? <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. She's sowing seeds. She's like, we always give out tracks. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Like, people be like, oh, that was a good song. She's like, you're getting saved. <laughs> anyway, but, but in all honesty, right, we know the Christmas carol. Sorry for that little rabbit trail. Uh, we know the Christmas carol, a thrill of hope, right? A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices for yonder breaks and new and glorious more. Now, how many guys know it really makes sense this year, that little song? A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks and new and glorious more. Man, I'm not going to lie, that one is real relevant right now. Do we still believe and hope that God can do things in a weary world? And in the yonder breaks, a new and glorious. And hopefully that yonder is sooner rather than later. But if it's not, we're still in it. If it's not, we're still believing. If it's not, we're still rolling with Jesus. See, that's the, that's the thing. I think a lot of the times what we do is we base our hope on our weariness. It's like, okay, you know, I, I, a weary world is rejoicing, and that's great, but I'm weary and I'm not rejoicing. And really today what I want to talk about within the, the context of hope is our reality within it because I think a lot of the times our hope is directly tied to our circumstances and our time frames. And as we talk about these stories, I really want to ask ourselves the question, what do we believe and hope for in connection with God? See, it's so easy to hope for the things that the world tells you to hope for. It's that, that's, that's a, that's a cop-out, but it's a lot harder to hope for the things that God wants for our lives. But before I do, I was uh, praying and studying. How many of you guys recognize these? These are the old school ones right here. Old school. How many of you were alive? Everybody, hopefully, right? Jesus, it's not that old. I'm 28. Oh, 28. 20, my mom said 29 in three weeks. Thank you, mother. I, I almost forgot my birthday. Oh, speaking of, I'm expecting that soon. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. How many of you guys remember these, right? These are the original 3D glasses. Now, here's what you need to realize, right? Is that I remember when these came out, and I, I remember looking at them the first time and being like, these are weird. I'm not going to wear these. But then I'd watch a movie and I was like, dang, I kind of like it. Like, that wasn't that bad. And uh, it's funny because these aren't like the celebration black ones with the, with the 3D, you know, all that. We've all worn them. If you have it, you're missing out. Uh, but I'm a movie guy. And so it's funny because I remember when 3D really hit home. And if you guys want to see me wear them, don't worry. I'll put them on for you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Amy. And Wyatt, hey, I can see you guys barely. Uh, but here's the deal, right? 
I was, I was praying this week, and I remember I felt like the Lord was, he brought up, I was like, Lord, what do you want to communicate about hope? And I'm going to leave these here as a visual representation. Uh, and I felt like he said, he said, Micah, hoping in me is like having 3D glasses. It allows you to see things in a different dimension. And I was like, and it was funny because he reminded me of the first 3D movie I saw, and some of you guys are going to remember this, Avatar, when it came out, dude. One of the top three grossing movies of all time, man. I went to Avatar. It was a three-hour movie, and with those goggles on, I was just like, dang, this is awesome. But what was it was the fact that, and I went back and saw it without 3D, and the funny thing is, is 3D added a different level of perception a different level of, of dimension, a different level of seeing and analyzing things, and it allowed me to enjoy the experience more. Now, here's what I'm saying is I think a lot of the times with God, what God's hope and faith allows us to do is look at our lives in different dimensions and in different angles and help us understand things differently. Because if we try to marry culture with the kingdom and get that look down, it won't work. It don't line up. But when we look with eyes of the kingdom and we trust, okay, there's going to be a, there's got to be a different dimension in this circumstance. There's got to be a different backdrop. There's got to be a different angle that God is working out. That's what hope is. And this this definition, it's by a great author. Uh, if you you love him, I know Nick. You love him, Tim Keller. Definition of hope: Hope is the absolute expectation of coming good based on the character of God. Hope the absolute expectation of coming good based on the character of God. Now, how many of us know, right? We, we, now, when you say the term absolute, it's very easy for us to be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm absolute. When you're absolutely sure about something, you will argue for an hour. When you're absolutely sure about something, you will, you know in your mind, you want to debate with me about Notre Dame right now, we can talk and throw hands. Right, you want to debate with me about the Packers right now? I am absolutely sure for some days that they are a good football team. <laughs> you want to absolutely debate with me about the things that I am absolutely sure of? Guess what? We're going to argue for a while. Now, let's add that. To be absolutely sure, absolutely sure, that there is an expectation of coming good based on the character of God. That is a definition that's a little bit in my mind is like, okay, that's a standard. Do I have absolute expectation that genuinely whatever I am dealing with, there is coming good based on the character of God? You know, a few uh, years ago, and by that I mean eight or nine years, what you need to know about Road to Life Church is we're, we're a do-it-all church. What does that mean? You need something done or we need something done here? I mean, I can tell you stories where you're like, what in the world? But don't worry about it. I'm not going to. Uh, but I re one common thing we do is, is when people need moved, they, they would call. And so we have some, some church vehicles and a trailer. And I was on this particular moving duty for, uh, for this person in the church. This was probably eight or nine years ago. And I made the mistake of not checking everything out before we left because I had confidence in some people who I probably shouldn't have had confidence in. But... I'm driving down the road on I-94. I have an 18-foot flatbed trailer. I'm driving a Chevy Suburban with five people in it, and I had driven a bunch of trailers before, and I realized my back end is put, being pulled back and forth. And immediately in my mind, I'm going, why is my back end being pulled? This is interesting. And uh, 
Now, obviously, in the wintertime, if your back end goes a little bit, you're like, ah, it's Michigan, you know. But in the summertime, you're like, you know, this is a little weird. So I remember I look in my rear view, and I can see the trailer, and it's shifting left and right underneath my car. And what I immediately come to find out is that somebody had not connected the hitch right, and it, the ball had completely fallen off the car, and the breakaway chains were the only thing hooking that trailer to my car. I'm going 75 down the freeway, and those breakaway chains are just letting the thing bob and weave underneath my car. So I look at all the guys. <laughs> They're all young. Hey, uh, put your seatbelts on. They're all like, why? I'm like, put your seatbelt on, <laughs> right? They all put their seatbelts on. They're like, why? I'm like, be quiet. I literally just take my feet off the gas, take my feet off the brake, and just let it coast to a stop on the side of the road. <laughs> Sorry about that. Don't worry. I got my temperature checked and everything. I'm good. <laughs> Here's the deal. When you yell for three services, your throat gets a little dry. It's okay. You guys just trust me. All right. But no lie. We pull over. I get out of the car and I immediately just start walking out of frustration. <laughs> How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Dudes do this all the time. You're like, I'll be back. <laughs> Right. I'm like, I'm like, God, I'm trying to help people. I'm moving people in the houses. I'm sacrificing a Saturday. That is sacrifice. Like, and lo and behold, about 200 yards up, I find my ball on the ground, the, the hitch in the ball on the ground. And I go, well, that's interesting. And the best part was it was a two-sided ball, ball, so it had a two-inch and a two-and-five-eighths. The top one, the one I needed, the bottom one was completely damaged, and I couldn't use it. But the top one was fine. I was like, that's ironic. So then I keep going. I'm holding. I'm just walking down the freeway holding this. I mean, what else am I going to do? I can't go anywhere. I walk up, and I find a bolt on the ground that fits. Now, I'm like, okay, well, I could jimmy-rig this, but... Chances are that bolt's going to slide off, and there's no way, so whatever. I'll just keep walking. Another 200 yards up, I find a nut that fits the bolt, that fits the trailer hitch. I walk up to the car. I'm like, hey, guys, jump in. They're like, why? We're going to be here for a while. Everything's going wrong today. This is going to be a 15-hour move. Always happens. Don't you pray over this stuff. Jump in the car. Why? I just found three random pieces on the side of 94. We're back in business, boys. But isn't that how hope is sometimes? See, this is how it works with the Lord, is that when we go through a situation where the tires are flat, the engine is blown, and the hitch feels like it's falling off, and we get out and just trust, God, I, I got certain and absolute expectation that there can be coming good from this. I'm just going to trust and walk and have eyes that are open to see the things that you want me to use to get out of this situation. Guess what? There may be things he provides that helps you. See, absolute good is the ability in God's sense and in our mentality for God to get us out of situations that we were absolutely sure that we could not get, have gotten out of without God. That's what absolute expectation is. And for some of us, right, maybe our lives, the hitch is falling off, everything's going wrong, and we're walking down the road and God's saying, hey, I need you to pick up that good habit. Hey, I need you to focus on this relationship and the accountability in it. Hey, I really need you to be in your word. And we're picking up pieces, not really realizing that we're picking up the pieces that will fix the brokenness. And for some of us, I pray that we're aware of these things, right? It is just so easy to walk through life and just, how many of you guys know if I'm walking down the road not looking for the pieces, then I'm not finding them. 
Some of us, we're walking away from the mess and the wreckage and going, God, what are you doing? God, why me? God, why is this always happening? God, why you got to put me through this again? God, why does this feel like it just keeps stacking up? And the Lord's like, you're not looking for pieces. And until I can get your attention to start looking for pieces, I can't repair the pieces of what's broken. And I want to encourage a lot of us today. Some of us were sitting here and we're wondering why we have no hope. And God's essentially looking at us and saying, do you have an absolute expectation of coming good based on my character? Come on. That's where we're taking off and that's where we're landing the plane today. We're going to read really quick because we're at church, so we should read the Bible. Amen. Amen, mother. She said, and every day. You guys remember the slang uh, term, doubt it, or doubtful? Like, I remember my tail end of middle school, early high school, it'd be like, doubt it, doubtful, doubt it. It's like, you want to hang out tonight? Doubt it. Hey, hey you want to get on AIM? Doubtful. <laughs> you want to sit together at lunch? Doubt it. It's like, that was like a slang term. Well, I think a lot of the times we have like, doubt it hope. It's like, God's like, hey, do you believe I could do this? <laughs> yeah, doubt it. Hey, do you know that I actually like love you and care about you? Yeah, doubtful. And there's this story in scripture in Abraham. Uh, and many of us immediately, I say Abraham, we're like, oh, heard all the sermons. But Abraham's story for me is an interesting one because obviously, especially within Jewish culture, he's, you know, the patriarch of the faith. And you see his story interwoven all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. But for me, I think he is an example of somebody who had every right to walk away, every right. And we're gonna research that story, but before we do, in sports, there's a hall of fame, and in the Bible, there's a hall of faith. So in the hall of fame, say in football, right, there's, you have to have these statistics and these accomplishments and all these things. See, in the Bible, it's the same way. And, and actually, the hall of faith, what it is, is it's, Paul cherry picks all throughout the Old and New Testaments people whose example, their, their accolades, and their performance completely uh, was something that was like awe-inspiring. And so what happens is, is that you see actually in Hebrews 11, all of these stories, the one that's talked about the longest, the one that's mentioned first, is Abraham. And that's where we're going to start today. It says this in Hebrews 11, 8 through verse 12. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. He obeyed when he was called to go out. Now, some of us, I just want to stop on this because I think this is interesting for a lot of people to, to summarize, right? See, what you have to realize about Abraham's story is that Abraham, there's, there's no Bible in that day. It's essentially God shows up, tells you what to do. And if you find a prophet, that's always helps because they can kind of communicate. But it's completely different than the spirituality we know today. So here's what you have to realize. Some of us, we're looking and saying, see, Abraham, when he, God met him and called him out to a place that he didn't know and said, hey, you're going to have an inheritance there, that's a profound moment, right? But for some of us, we're going, God, why have you not called me out literally into a place where I can have an inheritance? It's a great question. I get it all the time, right? Why is it that I don't necessarily feel called? Or, and here's the thing, God's written word, his written word is the thing that is supposed to call you out into your inheritance. So what I would say is this. If you're looking for a promised land, how well do you know his Bible? Because if you don't follow the things that he's called you out to do, 
If you don't follow the things that he's commanded his people to do, you're never going to live in that inheritance or promised land. And some of us, we have a destination in mind and we have no idea how to get there. And that's what the Bible is for. And so what I want to start with is this place where we recognize the importance of Scripture because we get frustrated all the time at why God isn't doing things. And really, it comes back to the place that we're not following what he said. And in this day and age of just cultural acceptance and and just we want to hear the easy stuff and do the easy stuff, it is just so easy to not actually follow the things that he said. So some of us, we're looking for a promised land. We're looking for an inheritance. Let's start with his word. So let's keep reading. It says this, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that, was to, that he was to receive an inheritance. As he went out, not knowing where he was going. How many of you guys know? That's an interesting phrase. See, some of us, we live in a, in a culture and a society, society that, that wants, it's a transactional base. So everything we do, we want to see, it's, it's a transaction. So if I do this, do I get this? If I go to the grocery store, I've got a $5 bill, I get $100 worth of groceries, go through the line and say, here's my payment. They would look at me and say, that is not worth what you're getting. How often do we look at God and God says to do something and we size it up with our own humanistic reasoning and so that and say that is not worth what I'm getting. I pray that we are not people who when God calls us to do something that maybe doesn't make sense to a place that we've never been to for in a direction we've never walked before that we never look at him and say I don't know if that's worth it. Because chances are it is. It's just your human way of reasoning trying to convince you that it's not. Let's keep reading. It says this. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself, this is his wife, received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she was considered him faithful who had promised Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. I love that phrase because what you see is that Abraham, when it says, and him as good as dead, is that when they said, all right, you know, you're going to conceive, you're going to have children. He doesn't have them till he's 100 years old, right? So all of these descendants and all of these prophecies, essentially they're looking and saying they were given to a man who he wouldn't even see him until he was almost as good as dead. Man. And so, here's the other thing. I'm just, another little side trail. Some of us, it is just so easy to buy on, into the lie. Well, you know, I've been around so long. Or, you know, I'm just as good as dead. Or, oh, I've just been, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And, and it's just like, guys, we all have purpose. We all have destiny. You all have something to offer, whether it is the, the early teens of your life to, to the late 70s of your life. I promise you, if you're willing to lean in, he is willing to whisper to you the secrets of this kingdom. Let's not be people who look at God and say, all right, God, I believe, but not actually if it's outside my comfort zone, outside of my own reasoning or outside of my skill set. Let's keep going. Then it says this. Therefore, this is verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now that phrase at the end, as many as the stars in the sky, what you see is that's quoted multiple times in the New Testament and it's something that that's God literally tells Abraham. But pause, we're gonna actually talk about his story and I'm gonna give you the time-lapsed version in Genesis. And what I mean by that is, here's the thing. This is the idea I'm proposing to you today. 
is that we mostly hope with time frames. What do I mean by that? Most of us have an expectation of God based off of a personal time frame, and then when he doesn't meet those, our hope, that's what, when it runs dry. Most people's frustration with God, their frustration with faith is, faith is when time frame expectations are not met, and then in cho instead choosing to press in deeper, trusting him, we automatically start to question and back up from the commitment because it's not giving us what we thought it would. The transaction doesn't seem worth it. So Abraham's first interaction with God is found in Genesis chapter 12. He's 75 years old. This is Genesis chapter 12, 4 and 5. God comes to him and says, hey, you're going to go to a distant land. I want you to follow this distant land. I want you to take off. I want you to go there. Now, Abraham immediately, all right, sounds good, packs everything up and continues going. Now, the next chapters, Genesis 13, 14, and 15, is a period of Abraham wandering. And what you see is, is he's left his land, and now he's kind of wandering around seeking kind of the next steps. And what he actually does is he stumbles into a war going on where his nephew Lot is taken captive. So what he does is he liberates Lot. And then listen to this. This is where it gets interesting. And this one is specifically in Genesis 15. Is he rescues his son Lot. He's given a bunch of bounty from all of the, all of the liberation he's done and, and receives all these riches on top of what he always, already had. And he runs into a priest and he decides in that moment, this is a man of God. I'm going to give him 10% of everything I own. Up to this point, it has never been commanded to give. It has never been told give 10% to your local priest or church or pastor or whatever it is. But Abraham in this moment decides, I am going to give to this man, trusting that he's a man of God. And it says that night he falls into a dream. And when falling into this dream, what you have to realize, and I just find this so fascinating, right, is that the breakthrough that he was seeking, the next steps, the next voice, were directly tied to his giving. I'm not trying to say this on behalf of the church. I'm just saying this on behalf of the kingdom. See, his, his giving, he's been wandering for years and has no direction. One day meets a priest, gives him 10% of what he has, and that night he has a dream where God shows up in the first instance of him being led outside of his tent and saying, look up at the skies, you will have descendants as far and as many as the stars in the sky is found right then in Genesis 15. Now pause, right? We're wandering for a few years, we give, and then there's breakthrough, and then you get the word. Now how many of you guys know? It's been a few years, God. When's this blessing coming? Because I was 75, now I'm getting up in years close to 80. Once again, we're talking about hope and time frames. I'm getting close to 80, God. What's going on? Next passage of scripture, Genesis 16. 10 years later, we're 90 years old now, almost 90. Abraham is sitting there going, God, it has been almost 15 years. Uh, I'm almost 90. What's going on? And what does he do? He does a shortcut has a child with a servant girl because that's what Sarah, Sarah, his wife, comes to him, says, hey, I don't think I'm going to be the person to do it. Here's a servant girl. Have a child with her so we can conserve the bloodline, so we can build out the descendant, all the calling. Angel shows up. Nope, that's not the one. It's not the one, Abraham. So how many of you guys know? We went, we got a prophecy about descendants. Three years go by, nothing. 
We get another prophecy about descendants, stars in the sky. Ten years go by, nothing. But then you have a kid with somebody who's other than your wife, and you're like, okay, this must be it. And they show up again, no. And you're 90. It's been a dozen years. Listen to this. Then another 10, 13 years goes by. 13. So we go. We wandered for a few years, got a prophecy. Wandered another 10, had a kid that we weren't supposed to have, got another prophecy. Wandered another 13 and finally shows up. And guess how long it's been? It has been 25 years since the original prophecy. He is 100 years old. And guess what? His child is born. 25 years after the original prophecy takes place and way too late in life to be having a kid, his expectation is met, but not in his original time frame. See, if I told you today, your expectations can be met, but not in your time frame, would you sign up? If I looked at you and said, if you will hope, if you will be consistent, if you will be committed, that your expectations will be met, but it will not be in your time frame, what would be your response? Because, man, that's a difficult question. How many years are we talking about? How many decades are we talking about? 25 years Abraham waited. If we had an interview with Abraham right now and looked at him and said, hey, was it worth it? What do you think his response would be? Yes, it was. Every second of waiting was worth it. But in the midst of that 25 years of uncertainty, of hopes that were not met, do you think it would have been worth it to him in that? Ah, Man, that's a tough response. But essentially what I'm saying is I'm giving us one thought today. One thought. And it's this, we cannot have a finite hope while serving an infinite God. We cannot have a finite hope while serving an infinite God. There's a great book I'm reading right now. I was just talking about it with my buddy Wyatt, Infinite Game by um, Simon Sinek. And in it, he essentially talks about how business is conducted wrong. People think in terms of fiscal. They think in terms of quantifiable instead of thinking in terms of legacy. And it's so profound that it had to be something for me that was spiritual. Man, we want to quantify everything. We want it to fit our narrative. We want it to fit our time frame. But at the end of your life, people aren't going to remember your time frames. They'll remember your legacy. They're not going to remember what you did and how long you waited. They're going to remember how you dealt with it, how you got through it, and who you are. And man, some of us, all we've done is try to fit God inside of these boxes. And all God's trying to say is, hey, if you choose to not push me into those boxes, but just pursue me consistently with an absolute expectation of coming good based on my character, there will be a thrill of hope. Come on. But that's your choice, church. And throughout all of our services today, I pray that we do not choose to be people who forget the goodness of God based off of this, the badness of our circumstances. A final story I want to bring up because it's a profound one is found in Luke 2, 36 through 38. Jesus is born and in bringing, being brought to the temple, he's recognized by two people. I'm not going to talk about the first. I'm going to talk about the second. It's a woman by the name of Anna. And it says this, There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now, what you need to realize, I'm going to add time frames once again to this. 
In Jewish custom and culture, you were married in between 14 and 18 years old. So she lived with her husband for seven years. Let's conservatively say she's 25 years old. Her husband dies. And then it says this. She, she, then she was a widow till she was 84. So she's 84. Then it says she never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. 84 minus 25. That's a decent amount of time. My brain's a little fried, so I'm not computing it right now. But what am I saying? Here's what you have to understand about Jewish culture back then as well, is that if you were a widow and you didn't have any family members to take care of you, you had two jobs. You were either a beggar or a prostitute. You had no children. You had no husband. You had no family members to take you in, what they would call a redeemer, which is Ruth's story as well in the Old Testament. Here's the deal. She has two choices. You know what the third choice is? One that nobody else is choosing. I'm just going to go to the temple. I'm going to worship and pray my entire life. But I'll be remembered forever because I'll be the second person ever to see Jesus physically. The Messiah physically. See, she had no hope, but she got to see the greatest hope of all time. Man, for some of us, like I said, if you looked at Anna and said at 84 years old, if you're dedicated for 59 years that you'll see God or, or 49 or 39 or whatever, my brain's fried. You'll see God. How many of you guys know that time frame didn't matter within the legacy that was left? And I pray today we do not have these finite realities of hope that within the legacy we can leave, we just have to get out of. And I know that is so hard in a world that is so fast-paced and organized and condensed and quantified and calibrated. But I pray our hope isn't that. It's just in Jesus today, tomorrow, and forever. With that, we're going to have a time of reflection. Some of you guys are maybe used to this and other of you guys aren't. They're going to throw some questions up on the screen and I'm just going to pray. But really what we want to do right now is encourage people that we don't really love the concept of just coming, receiving, and leaving, but really asking ourselves questions that will reveal the depth of truth within our own hearts. So this will be the only time that you hear me say, pull out your phone and take notes. Or some of you guys, there's a piece of paper in the, in the chair right in front of you. You can do that. Or some of you, maybe you're with your spouse or a best friend or somebody you respect and want to confide in. Ask yourself those questions. Talk through some of these answers because I'm telling you, when we allow the truth into the depth of our souls is when, there cha is when change happens. When truth is only on the surface, it never sticks. So what I want to do is we're going to take a period of time, just a few minutes to really ask ourselves these questions. But before we do, I just want to pray over all of us. God, I pray that we do not measure hope within man's terms. But God, I pray that we are challenged today with absolute expectancy to know that there is coming good based on your character. Whether it's Abraham's story, whether it's Anna's story, whatever story it is, Jesus, I pray that people feel the gravity of choosing hope in you over any hope of this world, over any certainty or security that we think we need. God, we need you. You're the only one who brings it. You're the only one who can do it. And you're the only one who offers it everlasting. Jesus, today, may we be challenged. God, today, may we be molded. Today, may we have depth. Today, may we understand the significance of hope infinitely. In Jesus' name.